time for us as a people to start making some changes. Let's change the way we eat, let's change the way we live, and let's change the way we treat each other. You see, the old way wasn't working, so it's on us to do what we got to do to survive. Eating has many different uses. It has many different functions in our lives. And to not understand all of our motivations for eating gets very... It can create this situation where we start coming up with these ideas or beliefs about ourselves or food that are not helpful. And an example of this is the phrase, everything in moderation. So generally when people are telling us everything in moderation, that advice works for some people. It works for people who naturally moderate things. And those are ones who say, well, yeah, just do it this way. Just have, you know, the one cookie or the one little scoop of ice cream or whatever the, the uh, edible is that potentially those of us who are more reactive to it or sensitive to it will overeat. So we have to understand a lot of our motivation for eating and what is going on. So my podcast today is breaking this down. These are the five reasons that I have found that when I myself use to not stay committed to eating for my purpose, for my power, for my energy and strength. Good morning. What's up, brother? Hey, if you can hear me, let me know. Throw a little thumbs up or a heart and let me know where you're watching from. I want to make sure that my mic's working. Um, so five reasons that we might start to eat healthy and then we might stop eating healthy. And this is a cycle we all go through. And the subtitle of this presentation is how to stick to healthy eating without feeling like you're deprived or that you're missing out. There's this phenomenon that humans have called FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. And it drives a lot of our behaviors. So to understand it and know how to course correct it is huge for making long-term gains, long-term progress on our health, our strength, our businesses, whatever our goal is. And if you're like me, that you have struggled with these, you have had periods where you're fully 100% committed in your eating, whether it's based on a plan or a book that you've read, and you have the meals ready, and you're eating right, and then life says, really, you sure about this? Let's find out. And it starts giving some challenges or some extra obstacles, and next thing you know, you are making choices that are counterproductive to what you said your goal was. All right. So for everybody that is watching today, I want to offer a little uh, bribe at the end for sticking it out with me. This is the first time I've attempted this setup. You can even see I'm at my gym right now. We're still in the process of getting set up. So my whiteboard's not even set up. It's on the ground. And we're still redesigning the space and getting everything in here and getting everything ready. Start helping some people out for the new year now that the new year is officially upon us and all the uh, glorious glow of new year's expectations is wearing off. Now we can start dealing with reality again. So the first topic I want to cover is this concept of quote unquote trying to figure things out. 
And this is an excuse that I've used in many different areas of my life. And I see others making the excuse, whether it's training, nutrition, finding relationships, finishing school, businesses. There's this concept that we need to think about it. Oh, I need to figure it out. I need to get more information. And what this looked like for me at various periods of time is I bombard myself with books, maybe it's podcasts, all the above. I just start trying to get all this information, thinking that the more information I have and the more that I think about it, eventually that's going to create a different result. And that is completely false. That's completely backwards. The reality is that we need to start taking actions. It's great to learn, absolutely. I have some great books I can recommend on nutrition, on health, on movement, on training. These are great resources written by people who are very wise on these subjects. But to sit here and consume all this content, it ends up being a form of sedation and distraction. What we need to be doing is we need to learn something and then start applying it. So even right now, if I gave you the best template for your eating, you are not going to be applying it until you're taking the steps and you're seeing and you're monitoring and you're tracking. So that's the first action step that I really want to emphasize today is don't try to figure things out. Get a template. You should probably have a good inkling as to what makes you feel best as far as real foods go. If you're reliant on man-made pseudo-junk foods, then it's going to be really confusing because you're going to be all over the place, emotions, thoughts. You're going to be having lots of highs and lows, so it's going to be hard to track down. But as you start eating real foods, whole foods, you're going to start to figure out, if you're paying attention an hour and two hours later, what balance, what's creating balance for you. It might be a certain ratio. Just because something is a starch doesn't mean that all starches are metabolized the same or that they'll make you feel the same. Just because something is a protein, the same thing. Different proteins, take like pork and chicken or chicken and beef, they could have the same protein and fat contents and still digest and make us feel completely different. So this goes back to trying to get more information is not going to work. Get the basic blueprint, whether it's a paleo reset, a ketogenic diet, uh, if it fits your macros approach. There's all these different things that have worked for numerous people, but they stick with it. So start taking the action by tracking the real foods. And over time, you're going to start to see. I have figured out with time and practice that beef is my superfood. Roughly 85% ground makes me feel better than anything else out there. And I have used that now when I go off kilter, whether it's, you know, I've overate because of an event or I start trying to incorporate things into my diet that throws me out of flux, out of balance, I know that I have that grounding food that I can go back to. Whoops, here we go. Oh, I lost my feed. That's a bummer. So I am trying to get this back on. If you're listening to podcasts, I apologize. We have a little technical error here. My live feed dropped. Let's see if I can pull it back up real quick. Or if nothing's going to work. All right. 
coming into this, I knew there was going to be a problem. I was curious what was going to be the problem. I'm long past the expectations that things are going to go smooth once I take the action. Oh, that's what we did. Okay, Wi-Fi connection. Super riveting stuff here. Aha. I was running off the wrong Wi-Fi. Makes sense. Boom, connect there. Boom. Find where I was at. Right. And let's finish this up here. Start my video. Loading, loading, loading. Do, 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 do. All right. Okay, hey, we're back on live. So my live feed was dropped. Sorry about that. Team was watching. I was on the wrong Wi Fi, it turns out, but we're back into it. Okay, so we've determined our first action step. Number one, paralysis from analysis. We're trying to get too much information. A lot of that is not helping us. So what we need to do is we need to learn something and then immediately start testing it and applying it and figuring out what that means to us. So the first action step is to start tracking and the caveat there is the real foods. And you're gonna be finding subjectively for you what feels best. This is how I identify that beef and certain cuts of beef make me feel uh, my best levels of energy, focus, clarity, power, all that great stuff that we wanna be eating for. Number two, the second point I want to go over is unhelpful information. So we live in this era right now where there's lots of competing theories. And I was trying to think of an example of this, and the, the silliest one I could think of was I spent about 60 to 90 minutes one time actually going through material from flat earthers. If you don't know what that is, consider yourself lucky, never look it up. Turn off this podcast, you'll never hear about it. Uh, there's a theory out there by groups of people that the earth is flat and they have all this quote-unquote information to prove that this theory is correct and they have reasons why this their theory is you know or why the round earth theory exists and it's basically this big uh, um, conspiracy now I don't know who profits from the conspiracy of the round earth I've never paid money for my round earth subscription, so you'll have to tell me if you can decode that one. But anyway, so I spent 60 to 90 minutes going through these theories. And you can see when you start to go into these pockets of beliefs and behaviors, you can start to see these arguments. And people wouldn't believe stuff if there was no way to argue it or there's no proof out there. But that doesn't mean that any sort of theory is correct. It doesn't mean that all information is equal. And this happens very frequently in nutrition, especially with the concept of studies. Studies are great. It's good to have objective information that allows us to have a better understanding of how foods are metabolized on our body. A lot of studies are conducted with special interests at heart, and they're being funded by, and they have agendas by certain groups. Um, some examples I've seen are, I believe, I forget the name of the book, but there was a gentleman who, he was a reporter, 
and he was able to conduct a study on chocolate, showing that chocolate had these health properties. And then what he did is he went to a magazine, a um, academic publishing entity who publishes papers. These were not peer-reviewed papers, but it was you know, a very fancy-sounding scientific company that puts out journals. And he paid the 300 some odd dollars to have his article published. And then it was in this academic journal. Then he turned around and contacted reporters and news outlets saying, hey, have you seen this study that shows that chocolate does X, Y, Z? And then they created these articles and all this content based on this study. The problem was is that the study was not valid. It wasn't peer reviewed. And even if studies are peer reviewed, because we have a way of taking taking concepts and then trying to just dissect them and look at these individual components rather than the system as a whole, we end up down these rabbit holes where, yes, it's great that certain foods have you know these micronutrients in it and those profiles are awesome, but that doesn't mean that all that's going to get into our body. So the best way to overcome this unhelpful information relates back to point number one, which is you pick a paradigm that you've seen work for other people, maybe people you know in your position, and from there, you just have to start testing it and getting your personal feedback. It might work good for a while. It might not work at all. It might make you feel worse, right? You could feel the same. You could see no improvement. You could feel worse. You could feel better. It might work for a while, and then the benefits might start decreasing. So that's where we have to get over this idea of there being one right way to eat and one set of facts that goes along with this. And we have to look at how things are affecting our body because when we get in touch with these principles and we're learning to eat for power, for strength, for our purpose, then when, if we start to feel our body shift where it may want more protein at times and more fat at other times and maybe we need carbohydrates you know, regularly but not every single day, but when I start to cue into these sensations and it fits the principles and it fits our physiology, then I'm going to have far more control over eating for power, for strength, for my purpose. So the action step is to just start taking the steps. Don't think about it. Don't overanalyze it. Follow the steps that work for others. See if it's working for you the same way. If not, start to switch things up a little bit. The third reason that we are not staying on our diets, and this comes down to that concept of instant gratification. Instant gratification is wanting to feel good right now. And with food, there are those foods that can give us a high-like quality, a high-like feeling. Sugar, caffeine, the foods that people struggle with, it's not there's a reason that they are struggling. There's a reason that most of us struggle with the same things. I've made this point before, talking to other people who are struggling with their eating. There are certain foods you really cannot overeat. You could, you know, if you, uh, that's why one of the reasons the carnivore diet seems to work so well for people is that if they stick with it, there's these phases and there's this phase where they're used to having these certain reactions and these certain experiences from eating meals. 
So they say, okay, I'm only going to eat, you know, red meat for the next month or, you know, I'm only going to eat this or that. And since it's such a calorically a nutrient-dense food, once you start the all-meat diet, the carnivore diet, you might have a couple periods where you eat, you know, more than you are used to if you're tracking. But then you're going to find that over time, you really cannot continue to overeat those foods. That is a completely different experience than these hyperpalatable foods that have been created by our modern food industry that contain these new types of fats, these, all these different types of sweeteners combined in these ratios that are, triggers our brain to wanting more of it. There's no accident that these foods have sugars and salts and in the ratios they do, it's all combined to keep our hunger going. So I can have a meal of 3,000 calories of meat and I can have a meal with these sugars and starches and all these other hyperpalatable substances, and it's going to be two completely different outcomes. One's going to make me feel centered and powerful, and I will continue to feel that way for hours on end. One is going to trigger me to wanting to eat continuously and being ravenous and almost being in a state of mania. My brothers came up with this funny term for me years ago. It's called dual Zach. And there was times where I was 100% focused and dedicated on my health project at the time, whether it was training or eating well or whatever my passion and pursuit was. And so dual Zach would be 100% going in that direction. And then life would provide me the inherent obstacles that are going to happen. And I would start seeking sedation and distraction and I'd be going in this complete opposite. So I'd be 100% healthy or completely unhealthy. And I always knew when I had officially relapsed with my eating, uh, this was back in my 20s, but the official point of the, that I had to own up to the fact that I had relapsed was being either at uh, Long John Silver's or Popeye's. Once I knew that I was going for fried fish or deep fried chicken, that was it. I couldn't rationalize anymore. So this is going to sound different and it's going to feed into our biggest point from today which is step number five in a couple minutes here get emotional and mental pleasure rather than physical pleasures from food it's okay to want instant gratification it's okay that if you're stressed and you're tired that you want to feel differently and you want to change that mood as fast as possible and your brain has learned how to do this it knows hey, if I go have that latte, you know, the cinnamon dolce or whatever it is that people are drinking right now, I feel this way, I feel fatigued, tired, spacey, and I will immediately feel the complete opposite way. I'll feel charged, I'll feel energetic, my mood will be heightened. But if I stay centered and I stay aware, inevitably I see that crash that occurs afterwards. So get the pleasure from different behaviors. In the beginning, yes, I give you permission to distract yourself if you're having a hard time with the eating stuff. Listen to inspiring podcasts, books, movies, songs, albums. Connect with people, have good conversations, find that social support, find those connections. And the more that you're getting that connection and you're getting the mental and the emotional satisfaction, the less you're going to want the physical uh, satisfaction and the physical connection from food. So start finding it elsewhere. And real quick here, if I go over to my whiteboard, 
the reason for this is pretty interesting. When people talk about the human brain, they're actually talking about what's known as the triune brain, which is a theory developed by Paul McLean. I hope I didn't butcher that. And he won a Nobel Prize for it. What's up, Tristan? Hey, brother. Check out the gym, man. I'm filling it up. Get all my stuff in here. My whiteboard's not hung yet, obviously. So we actually don't have a brain. We have three brains. And this is one of the biggest signs of evolution that we've come up with is that we have this core brain, this reptilian brain. Eat, sleep, kill, fight, fuck. All of our survival stuff is right here. Over this became our mammalian brain, all of our emotions. And then over that came this neocortex, which defines us as humans, which allows our problem-solving abilities. It allows us to think rationally. So when people talk about rationalization, what is happening here, and I'm a pro on this because I've done this thousands and thousands of times in my life, is we have these urges originating here in the reptilian brain. The reptilian brain wants instant gratification. Now, our, smart, our smartest brain, our neocortex that evolved, knows... So we'll take sugar, for example, right? Sugar equals an immediate high. Very intense pleasure, big mood change. And our reptilian brain knows that. So we're freaked out, we're anxious, we're tired, we're depressed. This part of my brain knows, hey, if I do this behavior, I'm going to feel better instantly. This part of my brain up here, my most evolved and my newest brain, my neocortex, knows that, hey, wait a minute, sugar for me is going to go to overeating, maybe even a binge, okay? It's going to increase my weight, body fat, it's going to make me irritable in the end. Not immediately, but the overall effect, hyper, or manic, whatever you want to call it. It's going to make me ache. So I know that all these things are true about this substance for my body. But I have this strong, intense desire for it from this other part of my brain, so the rationalization occurs for me to start that behavior. So I can bypass this by just riding out the urge, surfing it, and getting that immediate pleasure from other sources that's going to be more satisfying. So start making a list of ways that you can get more pleasure in your life. Because to sit here and try to say that, oh, there should be no pleasure or far less pleasure doesn't make sense. It's not going to be sustainable. We're all going to want that pleasure from somewhere. So connect with others, sex, all great stuff, music, art. Okay, the fourth principle we're going to cover today. Our expectations. With dieting, I shouldn't say dieting, but with nutrition and training, the biggest expectation that's going to ruin your results is this expectation of like a linear progress, right? So the expectation people form is, you know, this is my weight up here. I weigh 215 and I want to get to 200. And I'm going to start eating and training. And it's going to look like this. Boop. So if I lose a pound the first week, in 15 weeks, I'm going to be there. 
And the reality is, with the expectations, that I'm going to have periods where I'm doing everything right, and this really throws people off in the beginning. You can be doing everything right for weeks, a month. You can be sticking to your plan. You can be feeling good. Your energy is increasing. But if you're only using weight, it's throwing it off because the weights stay the same. I'm not seeing this linear progression go like this, like my expectation. So the way to reduce this is to look at other people's case studies. There are some great, brilliant case studies. I'll post one. There was a woman whose before and after is one pound apart. I think her before is like 180 or 181, 182, and the after is like 180. And the physiques are entirely different. Now, if I had the expectation the weight meant everything and that it was just going to be this linear progression to my goal weight, then I'd quit in the beginning when all this progress was occurring. So we have to get rid of the expectations. The best way that I've found to do this, that I've seen others use successfully in myself, is not to track every single day, not to track your weight, but rather track you know, once every two weeks, once every three weeks, and get more data, get some measurements. A lot of times the weight will stay the same because of changes in water weight, lean mass that's being gained, and it's going to offset the body fat being burnt. So if all you're using is weight, you're going to get discouraged and you're going to quit. There's ways to take measurements around the bicep, neck, outside of the shoulders for the shoulder measurement, underneath the arms for the chest measurement, across the navel, across the waist, across the hips, across your thigh. If you're tracking these metrics, then all of a sudden the weight changes completely, or the concept of weight changes completely. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to build lean muscle. There's no fat muscle, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. That's a term that, sorry, my brain just reverted to generic fitness speak. I caught myself. We're trying to build muscle, and we're trying to metabolize the body fat at the same time. And that's creating the physique that we want. So get over the expectations. It's not going to be linear. There's going to be highs and lows. There's going to be plateaus. Think of it this way, too. And I can't impart this enough. Regardless of if it takes you three months, or four months, or six months, what you're building in reality is a lifestyle. You're building a new you that's behaving and functioning differently to get different results each and every day. So that new you is not going to take off months on end without training. You're learning to charge your body up, to power it up for your purpose, and you're going to be doing this on a daily basis or near daily basis heading forth. Just like you're going to be wanting and desiring health-promoting, power-promoting foods over sedation foods and over foods that get us high with huge crashes. So, really the question comes down to just recommitting. And how do we recommit? How do we stay on our plan? How do we course correct when things inevitably go awry? For almost everybody, there's going to be drop-offs. I'm going to go far today is to say there will be drop-offs for everybody. I've never seen somebody that just completely flipped it and just kept on going with it. It's a learning process. So get rid of those expectations about the linear progression. All right. Here's my biggest takeaway for today. We have this, con we have this concept of happiness. And if, and I myself used to do this, that 
the majority of us define happiness as feeling really, really good. So the better I feel, the more intensely I feel good, I must be more happy. And connecting happiness with things like eating, drinking, all these behaviors that give us this really huge rush and make us feel you know, really energized and alive, AKA high, if you want to call it that, we have to learn that there is, that those are sensations that yes, we can have in our lives as long as it's not detracting from our overall pursuits and making things worse in the end. But really that's not happiness. And so we need to come up with a working definition of happiness. I've seen it given recently by a mentor of mine named Garrett J. White in a coaching program he offers. And he talks about daily expansion, which is a pretty awesome concept where you start where you are, you're not comparing yourself to others, your goal every day is just to improve across multiple dimensions of your life. And if you are expanding daily, you are winning. You are winning the game of life. You are becoming a different person, one who has capacities that right now we do not have. And that's success, that's winning, whatever you want to call it. That's achieving the outcome of life. And that's a pretty good working definition of happiness. Happiness really revolves around experiences. It revolves around connecting to others. Okay? A huge problem... I shouldn't say a problem, but a huge obstacle I had when choosing to be sober, and I've read this from multiple accounts, so I think it's very, uh, there's a lot of commonality in this very similar experience, whether it's alcohol or sugar. These things that create all this high immediate pleasure, they're connected with events. So if you're going to a wedding or a birthday party, imagine if you're going to a birthday party and there was no cake or ice cream. Most people would have a hard time with that because they have connected those two, they've connected that behavior and those substances with that event. So they would feel deprived. They would feel like something is missing. And it's true to a certain degree. That's a good time to, you know, using alcohol at weddings and anniversaries and New Year's sporadically throughout the year makes sense if it's not detracting from your life overall. But when we start to form these beliefs that those sensations equals happiness to that intensity, that is, becomes a problem. Because then you suggest to somebody, hey, why don't you give up sugar or alcohol for a while? Or like me right now, why don't you give up caffeine? Just try it out, see what happens. And there's this emotional connection there, and there's a far more strong reaction because what is being interpreted is you're asking them to give up happiness. So the biggest action step I found personally from this is learning to live sober and now working on other behaviors such as caffeine. It's improving as far less than it used to be. Um, so really start focusing on experiences. What experiences do I want to have? What are the most satisfying experiences for me? Happiness is, you know, being with my wife and my children. Think of that happiness compared to the happiness of eating like a donut or ice cream. It's really ridiculous to use the same word to try to talk about those two experiences. So by focusing on those types of experiences, I want the experience of running a successful gym. I want the experience of achieving certain things with my body. I want the experience of connecting with as many as I can in Reno, Nevada and elsewhere. 
and coaching others through the process that I've had to go through to learn how to live differently. By focusing on those experiences rather than immediate sensations, you're going to start to create a whole different happiness dynamic. And it's going to involve work and effort, and it's great. It's far more rewarding than the instant gratification that comes from other forms of behaviors, other substances that people start to label as happiness. All right, so that's what I got for this first one. I want to uh, thank you for listening and watching. And with nutrition, obviously, it's a huge concept, and there's more than I can cover in any video. So the takeaway that I was going to offer everybody today that checks this out is I'll put a link down here on this video. And if you take this brief survey, it takes 30 seconds, literally. You're just checking boxes. No more than that. If you take that survey from me, I'll schedule a discovery call with you. And what that means is that we'll get on the phone for about 15, 20 minutes. It's very, very brief, but very to the point. And we can talk about what's going on with where you're at and where you want to go. If you're not creating the results that you want the most, if you, you know, over New Year's, if you said you wanted to experience living, you know, 30 pounds lighter than you used to live, and that's not happening yet, well, let's get on the discovery call and let's figure out what's going on. And we can decide if you need, um, you know, a complete overhaul or if you want to strategically insert different tweaks here and there and try to create different results. But that discovery call is my gift to everybody that's checked this out and listened to this podcast. So I'm going to put a link for that. Uh, please take me up on it. Just a very brief survey. After that, I'll get a, get a hold of you. Chat for 15 to 20 minutes. We'll talk about your current routine. We'll talk about the results. And if there's a desire for different results, then there's a variety of actions that we could take based on what's worked for you in the past and what hasn't worked. I'm not going to try to tell you how uh, or get you to eat the way I eat. I'm not going to try to get you to eat the way that Jillian Michaels eats or anybody like that, although I know for a fact that she eats much different than I do. But, um, but it's about the individual. It's about you and what works best for you in discovering the foods, the habits, the training that's going to provide you with the outcome. Training, health, nutrition for purpose. What's up, Linda? Hey, nice to see you. Thanks. I'll put a link to the discovery call. If you have any questions, we can get on a discovery call and we can look at where you're at and talk about how things are going. Um, all right. Thanks for watching. Did you have any questions real quick before I get off here? My time is up. Thanks for watching. to start making some changes let's change the way we eat let's change the way we live and let's change the way we treat each other you see the old way wasn't working so it's on us to do what we gotta do to survive